I'm just going to be like, hey guys, guess what? Teddy is not here today, but instead we have Ricky. Okay. Not nearly as good. They're going to be disappointed. (laughs) Hey guys, my name is Maggie Rose and I am the co-founder and president of Reborn. And uh, guess what? Today we don't have Teddy with us. Um, Teddy is busy doing her thing. And instead we have the amazing Ricky and Eric, who I'm going to throw over to them to introduce themselves. I'm Eric. I'm the podcast producer, assistant intern here at Reborn. You've heard of my voice before. I've been on the last couple episodes hopping in with Maggie and Teddy. Um, So you know who I am, but you don't know who Ricky is. He was kind of chilling in the background our last episode as he was getting accumulated to the whole Reborn podcasting team. So Ricky, how you doing, man? Good. How's everybody doing? I'm Ricky. I'm the new assistant to the podcast intern. uh, And I'm excited to produce some podcasts. It's going to be fun. It's kind of like The Office where like Exactly. you know, assistant to the regional manager. Yep. That's that me. kind of thing. There we go. Yep. <laughs> love it. Love it. So we definitely are missing Teddy today, but like I said before, we have the amazing Eric and Ricky. Um, so let's see, Eric, what do we got to talk about today? We have a couple things. A couple things. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I'm just going to ask both of you guys, how was your week? How are we doing, you know, since the last time we spoke? Uh, busier than ever. You know, it's been a very busy week. Um, we're trying to launch a couple new support groups this week. We're trying to, uh, bring on some new, uh, team members. The, the transition is always difficult, especially being virtual right now. So it's been really busy last night. I had a wonderful, maybe three and a half, four hours of sleep. So your girl is a zombie today, but, uh, that's fine. Um, how are you, Ricky? What's going on with you? I'm doing great. Everything's awesome. Uh, Still working. I work at a hotel, so the hotel's still, well, the hotel's closed, but we're still inside doing stuff. So I've got a little something to distract myself from all of this quarantine business. What are you guys doing in the hotel right now? Do you mind me asking? No, not at all. Uh, right now, it's mostly just a lot of like carpet cleaning. That's at least what I'm doing. A lot of reorganizing of closets that nobody's touched for days, uh, years rather. And <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, not too, not too much else, because it's like a ghost town in there. If you've ever seen yeah. The Shining, it's kind of like that. Oh my god! Yeah. Sounds intense. Yeah. Have you ever had like I don't know how long you've been working at the hotel for, but I've always heard like when people are working at hotels, especially during like this time, and you're working overnights and everything. Have you heard any like ghost stories or anything up in there? Like any any rooms that are haunted that you don't want to go into? So, um, it's very scary at night. I'll be honest, I am scared. Um, I have heard a few different stories. I try to avoid them because they scare me a lot and I'm not in the business of being scared. So I try to avoid them, but I have, I just heard recently that, um, the third floor is apparently haunted. So I stay away from that at all costs, even though I got to do rounds every once in a while. So you can see me running down the hallways. It's almost mandatory for every hotel, I think, to have stories being flown around and have a haunted floor somewhere. Absolutely. Just Just to be considered a hotel. Not I feel a hotel like it's always the third floor, though. Like Hotel it's Bethlehem. It's an odd number. It's always hotel the odd Be- number. Yeah, Hotel Bethlehem also has the third floor is haunted. I feel like it's always the third floor. It's got to be. Got to be. It's got to be. So for you guys, on a scale from 1 to 10, from what you guys have been going through the past couple of weeks, and that now that we have this podcast up and running, it's been another thing on your plate. On a scale from 1 to 10, how stressed are you? Oh, you know what? That is a very interesting question because for me, 
I have different categories of stress, right? So you have like personal life stress, career life stress, like kind of an in-between stress, maybe family stress. So I think for me, I never just have like one stress, you know, I think it's always like, it's like either one of the categories, like something's tilting the scale a little bit. Um, this week has been definitely, I think, more stressful. Um, the coronavirus is kind of being locked inside, you know, is kind of getting to me a little bit. Um, I really, really, really miss people a lot. Um, it's kind of made me miss some, some other people in my life, like those who I've lost, um, especially the one I lost to suicide. So, um, you know, it's getting to me a little bit, but, um, just trying to keep busy and keep focused and keep doing things that I enjoy and doing little projects here and there and making sure to stay positive and do things that allow me to focus on my own mental health here and there. So where are you at on the scale then? If you were to give it one number. I feel like that's a good thing to put into perspective for a lot of people too, is that's something you really want to gauge every day. Like how stressed are you and how can you lower those stress levels? And you really, I think using that scale is definitely a good indicator of where you're at. You know, I'm, it's going to sound like a lot, but I'm, I'm going to say like a seven and a half, seven and a half or an eight. For being the president of Rebor and all these other stuff going on, I, I was expecting a nine when I was writing that up in the outline for sure. For sure. Probably maybe a 10. <laughs> you know what it is? It's, uh, it's about learning how to delegate. And it's about learning how to be a good leader. And it's something that I learn more and more about every day. Um, something that if Teddy was here, she would tell you all about it. Delegation is not one of my favorite things to do, um, but it's something that I've had to learn. And especially this week, I had to come to my own team and say, hey guys, I need help here, here and here. You know, can you guys step up? Can you guys do something? Do you have time to do it? If so, come to me. And thankfully, I did have a lot of people step up and help, and things are now moving at a better pace. So that, that brings it down that half a point or that point, you know. So uh, I would say like a seven and a half or an eight right now. I would say I am a seven, eight. Right now, I'm still in school. I'm finishing up my final semester um, of college. And I would say being at home kind of makes you feel like you're less stressed because you're not going out. You're not going places. You're not doing things for school that, you know, on like a certain schedule that you should be on. When right now you're kind of just, you know, sleeping in, taking it like day by day, not really doing much and, you know, filling your time in with stuff that you would do if you'd have free time because it's the only time you'd be able to do it. Um, so it's like if since I'm not going to school and since I commute about like an hour per day and I would commute an hour to reborn if we were in the offices, it would make definitely make me feel like um, it might it would be on a higher scale. So I feel like in reality, I'm at like a six, but it should be at like an eight, eight and a half because I got a lot of things doing these next couple of weeks. We're heading into May. I'm about to graduate. So it's like time to bear down here. I got to stop sleeping in until like 11 and start mm. getting things done. You know what I mean? Yep. Ricky, where are you at, man? Uh, I mean, right when this whole thing started, my future was a little unclear at the hotel. I was a little uh, unsure of how I was going to be ha have an income or something. So for a while, it was at like a nine or an eight because I was just worried about where my next paycheck was coming. And that is kind of like plateaued, I guess you could say, because I am got up to the, the 40 hours a week that I need to be able to pay my bills. So my stress levels dropped significantly, probably down to about a three or a four. But since joining Reborn, they've moved up a little in a good way because I needed something like this to feel sane once in a while mm -hmm. while I was here. Something creative to do has always made me feel a little bit better. So I'm happy to be able to be here and working on something like this. Um, even though the stress has moved up to about a six, I'm, it's, it's a good stress, I think. 
So for you guys, what's the first thing on the agenda once we're out of lockdown? Uh, hugging everybody. <laughs> you mentioned that earlier in our meeting. You want to hug everybody. I do. I had this wonderful dream that we were all back in the office and I was just like so happy to see everybody. I was just hugging everybody. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you just kind of want to go back to sleep and like, like that's where I'm at. Like to the point where I literally want to go back to sleep to dream about working. Okay. Let's emphasize the working part. Cause that's like, woohoo, working with the team. You know what I mean? It's just sad. I, I hate being locked in and I know, um, really funny. Uh, I spoke to my mom the other day and she was like, you know, this is getting old. Like as if it was like a really bad joke. <laughs> this is getting old staying inside. I was like, yeah, well, we can't really do anything about it until we can do something about it, you know? Um, but definitely hugging everybody. Um, definitely also getting like a good coffee and breakfast from my local coffee shop like in person, like walking in and being like, hi guys, how are you? Good morning. This is what I want. Definitely going to be one of the first things on my way to the office and uh, team meeting, big team meeting with everybody in person. Maybe I'll even bring in some food. We'll celebrate. Yeah. For me, it's going to be a little weird since I, again, I mentioned to you guys that I'm graduating college. So it's not like I'm going right back to being in a classroom again. Now I'm kind of out here in the real world getting a job and that's going to be the first thing on the agenda I'm going to have to do. So it's going to be a whole different setting and a whole different kind of lifestyle I'm going to be living. So it's like a little weird that, you know, we were so used to following the same schedule every day and, you know, being on point with the things that we have to do. And, you know, for people like me and a lot of people in my position, especially people in high school and, and college, you're now kind of flipping that lifestyle to something totally new and you didn't even have time to get accumulated to it. What's your guys' quarantine diet like right now? Are we gaining the pounds, the LBs, or are we losing some weight? Oh God, that's such a difficult one. You know, <laughs> I bought a fat burner, so uh, I don't think it's working. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else did I do? I'm eating healthier and then I have my days off, but then I forget what day it is, so I have another day off you know, like every day is my day off now. So I, I don't really know. I worked out yesterday. I've also been, I've also been lifting a lot of things. I've been uh, moving around yesterday, like ran up and down the stairs a couple times, lifting things. I don't know. I, sometimes I look at one angle of myself. I'm like, dang, you're losing weight. And then another time I look at myself in a different angle. And I'm like, Hey, what the hell? So I don't really know. I got a waist trainer. I put it on and you know what happened? I took it off and I swear my organs like switched place. I don't know what was going on there. I mean, I was all, all out of sorts. I felt like I couldn't walk for a little bit. So. Well, it's a good thing you're putting the effort in because there's a lot of people right now. People think right now is the perfect time to start losing weight, but it's like you're at home bored. You're going to head over to your pantry and start grabbing some cookies, grabbing some chips. It's, it's got to be one of the worst times to uh, lose some weight, but there's people out there putting some effort and I am also, I have a bow flex at home. I'm working out whenever I can, but trust me, there's days where you just want to sleep until one and get up, eat breakfast and then go back and lay down in bed. And then you can't do that. You gotta, gotta do something. So that's good. I was doing a good job of going out and going for walks every day, but, um, that, has, that all has changed. I have not been doing that at all. And I have been the person going into the pantry, getting the chips and the, uh, I haven't been doing a very good job, but I've also been cooking a lot. So I've been trying new things and that kind of doesn't help at all either. Good segue there because I was going to say I can't cook. And uh, so that's a, pretty, that's a pretty downside for me because I want to lose weight. And the key to losing weight is probably having like five meals a day all spread out, tiny meals a day. That's not me. I'm like, if I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I got to stay off of these, these fat foods because since I don't cook anything and I can't make anything healthy, I'll grab like, you know, like applesauce or Nature Valley Bar and spread it out and try to make sure I'm not, you know, 
getting like I'm not getting up the calories, but I can't cook. Do you guys cook your own meals? Do you guys make your own meals every day? Oh yeah. I'm big on cooking. I wanted to be a chef actually before all of my uh all of the things in my life began to change after I lost my friend. But before that I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to go to the Culinary Institute of America. So I get to live out that dream of being a chef right now. Um, I actually, funny enough, have a chef coat that every now and then when I do something a little bit messy, I'll put my chef coat on. So I love to cook. Last night, actually, I made grilled chicken, squash. I had sauteed broccoli and cauliflower. And then guess what I did? I ruined it with brownies afterwards. Of course. Like what? Anyways. What's the best meal you both can make? Well, I know this. Uh, I make a red wine braised short rib that is uh, to die for. Uh, hello. You're going <laughs> to definitely make that for me sometime. Obviously. All of us, maybe. <laughs> Please. Um, okay, ready? Southern smothered chicken and mashed potatoes. You had me at Southern. Ooh, yeah. yeah. My mom's from the South, so every now and then I like to try and uh, – southern it up but that's my go. favorite dish it's so tender it's so good i love making it i make it for like celebrations and stuff it's my go-to so for today's topic let's start jumping into it because we do have a guest uh, waiting for us to go into the second segment but let's uh, kind of ease into it a little bit talk about what we found online and some of the facts that we know about our topic today which is male versus female mental health as you can see in the title um so maggie will join me on this conversation real quick but according to the world health organization overall rates of psychiatric disorder are almost identical for men and women but striking gender differences are found in the patterns of mental illness so there is some differences in there but in disorders such as depression anxiety and somatic complaints which affects one in three people women predominate men depression is two times more common in females than in males i actually didn't know that but it makes a lot of sense females do have to go a lot more um, stress than males do in terms of just dealing with life things and then men predominate in diagnosis of alcohol dependence with lifetime prevalence rates of 20 percent compared to eight percent for women um, but i did find on the website maggie did send me about it is that there's a lot more uh you know cases being found and, and more diagnosis for women because they're the ones coming out and actually you know being diagnosed with it while men are kind of not doing that for themselves but as of right now, those are the numbers. Women are going through a lot more than men, and that's something I, I really didn't know. And um, I'm, I'm, hopefully we can get more into it um, as we get into the second segment. But what did you guys think uh, when you saw those numbers? So, you know, the, first and foremost, we see, we see this is very common, that women are more likely to talk about these things, not all the time up front, you know, but eventually. And that's where we get this big underreporting issue because there are still men who are suffering from these things, but they're not necessarily coming forth and talking about them. Um, we, one of the biggest statistics that we talk about at the organization is men, uh, men, die by suicide three times more than female. Females attempt suicide 3.5 times more than males. Um, so it's an interesting statistic because you have basically that same number, um, but it's a little bit opposite. You have one that's attempting more and one that is actually dying by. And uh, there's a lot that goes into it. I'm going to go more into it in a little bit, but we see the differences between females and males, even in their brain chemistry. Um, when it comes to females, we are very good at multitasking. We're known for it, right? But with males, 
uh, in many cases, their brain is more compartmentalized. So it's easier for you guys to focus on one thing at a time and actually see it through. And I personally do believe that that is a big component in that particular statistic that I shared earlier, that men die by suicide because unfortunately, when that thought comes into your mind, when you're sure about it, it's something that unfortunately in many cases you can easily focus on if you're a guy with women we have all these things circulating in our minds all the time uh to the point where i think that maybe there comes a point where women start to realize okay who do i have around me who do i have to take care of these are you know and there's these things that circulate in our mind um but i i can't say obviously that there's one thing over the other that makes a big difference because everybody's different Everybody thinks differently. Everybody has different things going on in their life. Um, and everybody has different characteristics and different stressors that can push them to, to a certain point. All right. So first off, to help us talk a little bit more about the differences in mental health in males and females, um, coming up next, we do have Charles Cording. Um, Charles and I have a very interesting relationship, um, a wonderful story of how we met, um, and I'd love to tell you guys a little bit about it, but uh, before I do, here is Charles. All right, so I am so, so happy to have Charles here with us today. Um, Charles and I kind of go way back. Um, Charles is uh, definitely number one, one of my first mentors who really helped mentor me um, and helped me and guided me when we first started talking about creating Reborn. Um, I literally remember sitting with Charles going back and forth over names, trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to call this? And we were going re, 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 reborn. And then all of a sudden it was like this idea started to blossom. Um, the first time I met Charles, I knew him as the man who was sitting in the glass room because uh, there was this cool incubator that was in the Newark area. And uh, somebody invited me over there. I can't really remember how exactly I got over there, but I was over there to talk to somebody else. And I was with somebody and they said, oh, we should go talk to him up there. And I had talked to somebody who, um, I finally got to a point where I was about to talk to this one mentor who was pretty well known and I was excited to pitch him this idea about talking about suicide in a different way in the form of a nonprofit organization. And, uh, we actually wanted to mix in some virtual reality at that point. Um, and, uh, once I got to it, I remember this guy looking at me and saying, uh, I don't really know much about suicide. I think, uh, maybe firefighters experience it. And I was like, so disappointed. I was like, this guy literally just totally disappointed me. Um, and it's really kind of interesting because now years later, um, every now and then I pop in to check in on what he's doing and uh, now he's talking about it. But all of a sudden I saw Charles up there working in his office, which was like this super cool glass office. It, it was like an office room. Um, Charles can probably better describe it than me, but a friend of mine went up and ended up going in and just like introducing himself like totally interrupted Charles. And next thing I knew I was up there talking to him and interrupting him as well. And that began this development into uh, this awesome relationship. Uh, Charles kind of grew into this brother figure for me and has just really not only been there for me, but been somebody who I can always throw ideas to has helped grow reborn, helped design the logo, helped do a lot of the back end stuff. 
and uh, was really there from the beginning. So I am so excited to have him. So Charles, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and, uh, you know, really what you do professionally besides being a mentor to me? <laughs> um, yes. Well, thank you very much for the, uh, the awesome introduction. I remember uh, those days when you guys came into the office uh, very well. That was the highlight of probably the last two decades was getting to teach and mentor young entrepreneurs uh, who mostly were disillusioned with uh, what it takes to be an entrepreneur or to grow an idea uh, into a product, into a company, uh, and really create impact. Um, and Maggie, I, you know, like I've always said, I had more faith in you right from the, the first you know, 30 seconds of talking um, than I've had in a lot of other kids. So real quick, some background about me. Uh, I'm an artist and an entrepreneur. Um, I majored in hip hop culture in college. Uh, graduated in 2005. This is like internet 1.0. Um, I started uh, Revolution in 2006 uh, as a digital media platform. Um, so kind of think of like Napster 2.0. And at the same time, I was working as an artist. I built a music studio, uh, learned graphic design, you know, was working primarily in, in, in music. It was very hard to raise money for a Napster 2.0 business model. And being that my music was very controversial and aggressive, uh, you know, going to market wasn't that easy as well. Um, so eventually I, uh, I got back into building startups, built an agency uh, that started to take off, built one of the first daily fantasy sports companies, which was DraftZone. Um, that was 2009. So from 2009 to 2013, I was, I was building uh, that platform that led to opportunities in, in, uh, to build other sports data companies, uh, which led to building bigger agencies, such as the one in Newark. Uh, then I went to help build a virtual reality company, then a uh, blockchain company in 2018 uh, during the ICO craze. Uh, and then for the past year, I've been building uh, a music AI company. So all of the, the different fields in emerging tech uh, technology is converging uh, into what I'm doing now. So it's been a crazy, crazy two-decade experience as an entrepreneur. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's great to be sharing that experience. I was actually just laughing the other day because DraftKings, which was an early competitor of the DraftZone business uh, 10 years ago, uh, just went public for $3.3 billion. And from 2009 to 2011, for probably two, three years, every single person called me crazy uh, when I said that this was going to be a billion dollar industry. And I remember one of those suicidal moments coming in 2014 when they were on the cover of ESPN, the magazine. Um, just a year prior, we had turned down an offer uh, for them to buy us. Um, so I was actually reflecting on that uh, this past weekend as I read the article, like, wow, uh, it really doesn't feel good to say I told you so in these instances, but uh, it, uh, it definitely reminded me of the mental health and the darker aspects of trying to be an entrepreneur and trying to innovate and, and do things that people say are impossible. So always happy to share those crazy experiences. Your story is just so impactful. And, um, you know, if, if you're interested in sharing your story, I, I'd love to ask you, you know, what are your experiences dealing with mental health? And, um, and then after that, I, I have a follow-up question, but. Funny, it's a, uh, you don't get to put these types of stories on your resume. You know, it's not like I have a LinkedIn section that gets to talk about the suicide attempts and you know the uh the, the the things where 
you really do end up growing as a person uh, more so than any other job or, uh, you know, work experience. Um, so in 2009, uh, I uh, attempted suicide. Um, at the time, I had just released my first album. If you can imagine me with a 15-inch mohawk that is braided into, you know, different cool designs. And uh, I just released an album called United States of Auschwitz, which was extremely political. Uh, like it sampled 911 calls from 9-11 and really used hip hop as a, you know, as, as a political weapon. Um, I hit a lot of resistance when, when I came to market. Um, a lot of interviews that were run that, you know, ended up being scratched at the last minute because the content was too uh, controversial. Um, it was hard raising money for Revolution as a digital media business, uh, you know, in light of what had happened with Napster. Uh, found out my dad was having an affair with a girl that was my age. Uh, so him and my mom were splitting up. Uh, we were selling the, the family house. Uh, and then my girlfriend at the time uh, left. And uh, that, that was crippling because I had really romanticized this, you know, lone artist, crazy artist in the woods kind of, uh, you know, self-narrative. And uh, I had basically just driven myself insane. Um, so I was in the hospital for the, pretty much the month of February. And uh, when I got out, it kind of, uh, that's when I dedicated my uh, time to building startups and getting in, involved with DriveZone. Um, and, you know, started to give back a lot, uh, coaching, a lot of teaching. Um, and then when we met in 2015, that was probably like the healthiest I've, I've been. Um, in the past five years, uh, it's been a crazy, crazy experience. Um, not only work-wise, uh, trying to build these kind of crazy startups in these emerging markets, but um, I became a father uh, in a very crazy situation, um, in a very unstable relationship, uh, with a lot of abuse that I didn't really know was abuse at the time. Um, and the transition from like 2015 to 2020 is, uh, you know, I'm now raising two little girls on my own. Um, so I've had to figure out how to parent, uh, and work at the same time, uh, which is, has been extremely tough. Um, as well as dealing with a lot of the, uh, the experiences with uh, a very broken and shattered relationship. Um, the girl's mom uh, came from an abusive relationship, um, has borderline personality disorder. Um, maternal suicide has been a constant theme throughout my life for the past five years. Um, there have been instances where child services had to get involved, um, you know, where I thought the kids were in danger coming home. Um, it's been a terrifying, gut-wrenching experience um, to create any sense of stability uh, when, as an entrepreneur, you are like so laser-focused on certain things. Um, and with that, you know, with that chaos, you, you just start to not sleep, uh, you know, being up for three days working is, is very common, you know, for me for the past uh, few years. Uh, and once your physical health goes, then, it, you know, your mental health will definitely start to slide. Um, but it's not like these issues ever come wrapped nicely, you know, on their own. They're always intertwined with, with different things. Um, 
So it's always an experience, you know, if you guys want to ask any follow-up questions, digging into any of that story. Um, it, it's, it's been a crazy eye-opening experience and mental health and, and suicide and all of this kind of has been a major theme in my life for, for four or five years now. Um, so any opportunity to share, you know, share that experience because that's really what's helped me like in the last one or two years, it's different going through it and reading about it in a book or like watching a video on it. Um, what really helps is hearing other people's stories where, you know, you kind of have those like, Oh my God moments where, you know, like somebody else just went through what you went through. Um, so it's a lot of making sense of stuff that doesn't make sense initially. Um, and what I've tried to do is just educate myself as much as possible on every facet of, um, you know, what, what certain symptoms are, what triggers are, what, I don't want to say medication is the route, but like what, what are different forms of treatment available? Um, what are the best case scenarios? Um, a lot of the skill set that I have as an entrepreneur, I, I actually apply to mental health um, with like scenario planning or, you know, trying to understand second and third order effects so that you make, you know, the, the right decision right away. Um, and a lot of times you, there's really no right answer for a lot of stuff. So Charles, it's Eric here. Um, so pretty much our topic for today and, and your story is absolutely empowering. I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people. And thank you for sharing. It's that, you know, we were talking about earlier before you jumped into the call that, there's, we were talking about mental health and males versus females. And we just wanted to know from your experience, you know, we have three males in this video call right now. We do not have Teddy with us. Normally it's Maggie and Teddy going back and forth, you know, talking about the topic with our guests. Our last guest was Lauren Case and she, and she was also a female talking about what's going on in the, in the field of mental health as well. But do you feel there is a significant difference between males and females when it comes to mental health? And how have you dealt with that? Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I come from a family of all girls. Uh, my little sister, one of, I have three little sisters, one of which is a, uh, psychologist at, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the college. Um, so I would actually say that, that, that question right there, you know, if I was trying to be like play devil's advocate excludes the, the third transgender, you know, it's, it shouldn't be a, a binary question. Um, so the, the topic of gender, I think is deeply deeply woven into all things mental health. You know, some of the fascinating stuff that I, like just recently that I think is relevant here would be, uh, you know, how certain occupations will see the impact of the uh, quarantine in two or three years because while you're at home, say, you know, there's a, a mother and a father at home, mother will probably, you know, 70% of the home homework will, will go to her. And it feels like, you know, uh, academic research where, you need to pump out papers and pump out writing and, and do this kind of long form work. Um, there's really just no way that they can keep pace with their male counterparts. Um, I think you'll see gender disparities in, in, in tons of different occupations now that uh, home life and work life have kind of been smashed into one. But yeah, I think it's impossible to, to separate gender on, on multiple levels. I mean, on, on a structural level uh, or an extra personal level, like there, there are biases built into society. Uh, and you'll see that with race and gender and, and uh, class, uh, but also like in an in a, uh, interpersonal dimension as well, where, you know, the, the dynamics of gender are a lot more fluid nowadays. Um, so while kids have a support system now uh, growing up that didn't really exist, you know, a few decades ago, uh, and that these topics are a lot more out in the open, 
uh, I do imagine that for a lot of kids coming up, they still struggle with, you know, trying to make sense of a lot of stuff. Um, so I think there's multiple dimensions of, of gender, of class, of, um, you know, different ways of segmenting mental health. I think they all, you know, they all definitely impact. I think one of the biggest issues, and you kind of briefly mentioned this, was in the fact that we now are, uh, as a society, are much more open to uh, gender differences and uh, maybe even the LGBTQA plus community. And uh, what people also don't realize, and we're going to save this particular topic for another podcast. So for anybody who's interested in learning more about, you know, LGBTQA plus community and how they're affected in mental health, um, you know, definitely stay tuned and tune in for that episode at a later date. But when it comes down to it, we have research on male versus female. But this is, just like you said, we should include people who are non-binary. And uh, it's one of those things where I would love for anybody out there who's listening who might consider themselves non-binary, you know, if you want to write in and tell us more about your experiences, please do and send that to podcasting at reborn.social because we want to hear from you. When it comes down to it, male versus female brain, I really wish we had more up-to-date statistics on non-binary as well, but it's something that a lot of researchers are just now beginning to look into and uh, research can take a long time. I mean, we see this huge uh, underreporting, misreporting, and um, kind of outdated reporting issue um, across our country specifically, where a lot of the reports that we have go back to 2017, 2018 at the most recent. And um, I think that when it comes down to it, we just see such different levels just from that research alone. And again, that's kind of outdated. And I wish we had more up-to-date statistics and information to talk about. But we see that, for example, women are more likely to have been treated for a mental health problem than men. That's 29% compared to 17%. Something that at Reborn as an organization that we're trying to do is involve more men in this conversation. And um, I know that for us as a team, what's really interesting is when we first started, you know, we really had as a team we really had more females than males and it's still kind of that case. But just like Eric mentioned on this podcast right now, we have Charles, Ricky, Eric, and myself. And so I'm really curious to find out from you guys specifically, um, what, what is the deal, you know, with, with men and mental health? I know that sounds so simplistic <laughs> word it that way, but you know, there also, is such I have, a difference. I have a good, yeah, I have a good example. Uh, like I, as I think back now, where where gender really played a role when i was in court for mediation dealing with custody issues right the uh court administrator or whoever handed me the circle of abuse right i don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the circle of abuse but it goes through the different dimensions of abuse um and you start to realize where like like i got i just started bawling crying i, I was strong up until that point because i looked at this sheet and what i had been through for the last four four or five years, I mean, I clicked every single box as a victim of domestic abuse. I mean, every box to a T. Up until that point, as a man, my whole, I never, I never thought it was abuse. I never thought I was a victim of abuse. I thought I didn't make enough money to support everybody suitably enough, which was not the case. But I, I just said, okay, I, I need more stability in the home, 
through through making more money and it's my fault that all of this chaos is happening and i never even took the time to just do a google search i could have just googled domestic abuse seen this wheel realized within 10 seconds what was happening in my life and probably could have gotten ahead of some of these issues and i didn't i didn't even think to do that because as a male i thought dude you have kids make enough money and everything will be fine at home so there was a gender kind of like barricade there that prevented me from even asking the question in the first place um this is something that there, there, there are two two points here one is that going into this experience i just thought you know it, it was just me making enough money which is like a, a a very 1950s way of looking at the world yeah very simplistic but like that was the father role that was the male role in the family that was the role like because i was building startups i had tons of equity you know equity is not putting food on the table it's you know it's not paying the bills in that month um so it doesn't really matter you know i remember my son asking me he goes dad are we poor and i said no man we're, we're an entrepreneurial family I said, do, you know, do you want to live in an apartment now and have a pool tomorrow? And he goes, hell yeah. I said, okay, enough said. You know, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put bunk beds in your room for right now and we'll get a pool next year. And that, and that was my mindset. Um, and that came from my dad. That came from my dad providing for the family. Um, even though he wasn't home in any sort of caretaking role. Um, and then this, the whole, you know, script changed. And I all of a sudden had the girls full time and I'm work, you know, I'm used to working 20 hour days and now I have to, you know, change diapers and, you know, you know, it was a, it was a complete paradigm shift and I had to rely on my mom teaching me. I had to go to uh, parenting classes at the girls school. Like I sought, I sought all of the learning I could because for my entire life, for some reason or another, I just never thought it was important to have to learn stuff because that was mom work. That was girl work, laundry, dishes, uh, you, you know, how to run a household. Uh, these were, these were women things in my mind. And I'm telling you, it's taken a lot of effort and a lot of patience and a lot of unthinking and rethinking and, you know, unlearning and relearning, uh, you know, how to, how to, uh, make that work. And then the other part of it too, was that like, I don't think a lot of males know or they think it's a, you know, a hit to their masculinity if, if they admit to being in a abusive relationship. Um, you know, I, I was in a situation where like suicide, her suicide was being used against me. And I would, I would sit there, you know, I would think that, you know, she may be committing suicide. And if I reached out for help, it would open up, you know, new avenues of abuse. And she would describe killing herself to me. And it would be it was just like awful experiences where it's like, oh my God, now suicide is, is being used as a weapon uh, of abuse. Um, so to be around that kind of uh, toxicity and understand in the moment what's really going on, because th there are a lot of, like, especially legally, uh, legally speaking, there are, it's harder for a male to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a victim of abuse. Uh, even though like it, it, in a lot of cases that is, you know, that is the case. I don't, I don't know any status here, but, um, you know, it, it's definitely more prevalent than a lot of people would like to admit. It's just a whole big pride thing. And like you said, it's kind of taught, you said it kind of came from your head where it's like, you know, you're, it, I feel like there's for males, 
it's weird because we are automatically taught to hide it without even really thinking about it. Like you don't really want to, it's kind of just hard to express those feelings that you have. And, and it's better not to say anything than to say anything. And like you said before, you can easily just do a Google search and find yeah, it. Yeah. That, and that's why I started crying, man. Cause I was so pissed at myself because it, it was like, dude, how did you not see this? You know? Uh, and then that, and that's what, like, I, I don't, I don't really feel shame. I don't, I don't know if shame is the right word to use right here. Maybe reg regret. Uh, but it was definitely an instance where it was like, I, I was pissed at myself. Um, and I, I just never knew to ask. You know what I'm saying? I never knew to do the Google search. Uh, and that's why I think these types of conversations are extremely important. Um, because a lot of kids, I think, will reach out uh, for more information or to learn more. Uh, about a certain topic and then they'll be in a better position to take action uh, and, and not go down the road that I went. So, you know, I, I also think it's kind of interesting. I want to touch on something, uh, something else that's kind of in alignment with this. So I recently had a conversation with somebody who he said to me, you know, I consider myself an alpha male, man. I've not heard anybody say that in a long time. Who says I'm an alpha male, but this guy said, listen, he said, I consider myself an alpha male. I got to a point where I attempted suicide and it wasn't until that point where I survived that I realized this was not about mental health. This was about empathy. This was about learning empathy for myself as a man and being able to learn that I don't have to be a sensitive guy in order to get the girl who likes a sensitive guy. And I don't have to be an alpha male to get the girl who likes the alpha male. I need to learn how to be myself and be empathetic to that and be empathetic towards other people. I thought that was really interesting. And I think with that, we hear these like sayings that we may not have heard in a long time. And we go to these areas that accept certain things today and don't. I think I've heard more people over the last year say, oh, well, it's 2019 or it's 2020. You know, people are past that, like the LGBT conversation. Or um, the subject on, like we talked about earlier, non-binary, uh, female, male, non-binary. Um, now we're talking about men and mental health. These are all three things that back, you know, somebody earlier, I think, Charles, you mentioned uh, 1950s. Back in the 1950s, none of that was a conversation. None of it at all. And I think that what's important is, yes, having these conversations, but bringing these conversations to areas where this conversation is not normal. For example, I live in Hunterdon County. Hunterdon County is not a very welcoming area unless you go to certain smaller areas in this county. I know that in where I live, um, specifically, uh, people are not gay friendly. People are not um, friendly uh, to the discussion of men talking about suicide, men talking about mental health. I've heard from more men that it is something that you shouldn't talk about, that it is something you should keep inside to be the strong one, to be that person who's taking care of people. But then you go to other areas that are like closer to New York City, for example, and people are like, no, we have to talk about mental health. So after talking and sharing your story and kind of talking about this a little bit, what is something that you would want to share to some guys today that maybe are younger, maybe they're going through something and they don't know what to do. They don't know if it's the right thing or the wrong thing to talk about mental health, if it makes them weak or strong. 
you know, what would you say to them? I think a lot of people are hesitant to talk a lot of, about a lot of stuff because they don't know what to say. They don't know what words to use. They don't, they, like the, 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 the gender issue, I think, gets shied away from a lot because people are scared of offending other people. They don't know what terms to use, you, you know, uh, which pronouns to use, which ways to spell things. Um, so I think one in those groups, they need to do a better job of not being so sensitive or offense, offended by somebody making a mistake uh, with the way they engage with them, discourse wise. Um, I, I, may that may come from you know just my sister, but I know that like in college right now, a lot of conversations get very heated very quickly, and a lot of kids will just shy away from that. So it's like I don't even want to touch that subject because of the blowback. Um, anytime you have a situation like that where somebody's afraid of making like an honest mistake or something like that, um, no, no productive discourse will come. Um, I mean, I've always been of the opinion that like stand up comedy is probably the healthiest thing for all of these types of, of issues because a stand up comic can bring light and brutal honesty to a lot of these conversations. Um, I don't have clear answers for a lot of it because I think a lot of stuff can only come from experience. Um, what we can do is leave breadcrumbs so that when somebody goes down these, these, these dark paths, um, they know how to get out of them. And, uh, you know, I, I wish, I wish I could, you know, give you a resource or something like that for, for how to facilitate, a better understanding of, you know, among males about, you know, mental health. But like, I think it, it comes down to like, you know, as, as a coach, I try to teach my kids how to be a man by how they rebound to basketball, you know, or how they support their teammates. Um, I don't think you need to lose the kind of like male bravado uh, or, you know, that, that, that alpha male meta brand uh, when talking about, you know, mental health issues. Um, and this is something that, 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 that I, I wish I had a better answer on, but like put it this way, my biggest fear when I became a full-time parent of the two girls was that unconsciously, on a subconscious level, it would somehow weaken my art from being aggressive or controversial or raw uh, or touching on subjects that were, you know, like I don't make art or music or anything to like make you feel good. Like I want you to look at it and I want you to feel a very intense emotion, you know? And I don't want that to be diluted by any sort of compassion or, or like empathy because I have to now split time between work and, and home and managing a house. Um, but like, you know, that, that's something that I identified in myself from having these conversations and, and you know, going through these exercises. And I think that that's going to be deeply personal for each and every person. Um, you know, I think what's helped a lot is that I, that I have a, a support system around me or I have people around me that are very flexible in their thinking. Um, like for example, my dad, like he openly admits and jokes around about it that like for a long time growing up, he thought that there was like a higher instance of pedophilia associated with being gay. And that was like a deep rooted thing that like he grew up with. Everybody in, the, you know, in Northern New Jersey kind of grew up like thinking that. And like over time as an adult, he was able to say, okay, like that's definitely not true. And, uh, 
and change the way he thinks and approaches the world and interacts with people. Uh, I think if more people had that plasticity uh, in their belief system, um, which is driven by empathy um, and driven by compassion and, and understanding and listening to people's stories and, and seeing humans for humans, um, you know, I, I think little by little, each person can make those little small decisions uh, in how they think uh, and how they approach you know, certain situations. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, I do want to share some, some statistics with everybody um, really quick, throw some facts out there. Um, you know, we are talking about women and men, but of course we still recognize non-binary. Um, but like we mentioned before, unfortunately, the most recent statistics include only women and men. Um, one, women are twice as likely to experience anxiety as men. Of people with phobias or OCD, about 60% are female. Depression is more common in women than in men. One in four women will require treatment for depression at some time compared to one in 10 men. I also want to share a really important statistic because there's so many statistics and facts and conversations that we can have that may scare some people. You know, um, something that you were just talking about, Charles, was, you know, this uh, idea of uh, uh having a stereotype associated with something like when you were just saying how your dad uh, talks about what people used to see gay as, um, you know, and what's associated with that. 95% of people who go get treatment for mental health or mental illness come out of that experience better than before they went in. That's 95%. For, so for those who are experiencing something right now that is difficult, something that you're going through, something that you don't know how to handle, something that you don't even know how to categorize. I really, really, really want to kind of shed light on that statistic that 95% of people who go in for treatment or go to a therapist, psychiatrist, who go to get help for your mental illness or mental health, um, you're going to come out of that um, having some sort of clearer direction for your life and for your situation right now. Um, but, you know, when we look at these statistics and we talk about the conversation we've talked about today, something that I still am left wondering is if males reported more symptoms, do you think that that number of men experiencing mental health or mental illness, do you think that number would skyrocket? I Absolutely. think so. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I hate, I hate when relying too much on data for, for these types of reasons, because it will kind of skew. And this is the kind of stuff that like prevented me from asking the question in the first place. So yeah, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with the data. Um, and you have to, like, I, I think the reason treatment works is that it's like that simple Wayne Dyer quote, uh, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, uh, being able to reframe things, being able to, uh, you know, every time you tell a story, it becomes a little different. It's like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Like when they helped soldiers that came back from Iraq that were just extremely messed up, you know, and they would have them retell their experiences. And each time they retold the experience, it was kind of like making a copy of a copy of a copy and the pain would lessen. Um, so like I said, I think it's deeply personal. I think where mental health will really take off was, you know, some of these emerging trends in personalized medicine, um, being able to, uh, 
you know, like Apple is becoming more of a healthcare company. So uh, being able to get analytics directly from apps uh, or, you know, like these mental health apps that are coming out, um, I think will provide a lot more valuable data than, you know, a college study with 50 kids. And you'll be able to see a lot more patterns evolve over a much larger uh, time frame as well as, a, you know, a much larger spatial scale as well. Um, because, you know, one mental health issue that, you know, is relevant here, like just the difference between the counties, the towns and the counties, but like, you know, the differences between here and, you know, in China, you know, it, it's night and day. Um, so, yeah, like I said, like, like gender, race, class, you know, those are like the three kind of power structures that, that will influence every discussion uh, with mental health. So I just had one question for you. Uh, why is it our first reaction to hide our feelings from people when it's more helpful to express it to someone and tell someone how you're feeling, which is really get it off your chest? Why is it especially in men, and it also is in females as well, it's hard well, to explain anything well, to anybody? Uh, vulner vulnerability is seen as weakness. So I can tell you from experience, I, I mean, from experience that I've worked with people that have used my children against me, that have used moments where, you know, like I've had to, you know, like the, the birth of my second child was one um, where, you know, they'll use that as an opportunity to squeeze out more equity in a deal or, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that you have to be aware of. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a liability in a lot of situations. Um, and you have a kind of, uh, a social status element to it as well. So like if you are from an upper class family in a private school where mental health issues are probably, you know, off the charts, everybody seems fine at face value because there's a social status element to that. Um, you need to portray a certain, you know, a certain brand to the school and to the community at large. Um, you know, I've, I've seen that coming out of a lot of these kind of wealthier private schools where, you know, issues of mental health want, like you're not going to get into the college that you're supposed to get into if, you know, you, ha you have mental health issues in high school. Um, so you either learn to suppress it or, you know, as, as a group, as a family, you kind of, you know, push these things into the closet. And that, that only leads to things blowing up. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, you know, I like Charles, like you have just really today, I hope anybody who's listening agrees with me and I, I think they will. But I think that you've really been able to give a lot of insight and um, share a lot today on, on the podcast, specifically about mental health and, and vulnerability and your own story. And I really hope that people listen to this and leave feeling more aware of what's going on and also begin developing their own opinions, you know, cause that's one of the most important, you know, parts of creating conversation about mental health in different communities that might not accept that word um, is being able to create your own opinions and encourage others to do the same. And uh, so first and foremost, I want to give a really big thank you to Charles for joining us today and adding to our conversation. Charles, what do you have going on in your life and where can people find you? Uh, I'm at the human animal. I don't really like social media, but I think I have to get more into it now. So like at the human animal, like on Instagram or, or Twitter, uh, that's probably the easiest. Um, or, you know, Revolution, 
uh, is the website for work. But like, just connect with me at the human animal. That, that's probably the best. Awesome. And like I said, I am always, uh, I, I feel like I've just been a rambling mess for most of this, but uh, I, I do love this stuff. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. It brings so much joy and happiness to see uh, the success of Reborn. Um, so I'd love to help out in any way I can. And uh, thank you guys so much for the opportunity to share uh, and help out. And, you know, hopefully it did. I definitely think it did. You know, I love you, Charles, and I miss mm -hmm. you so much. And definitely. we love you from Reborn. And we're so glad that you came on. Uh, coming up next, we're going to cool down and recap everything mentioned in this episode thus far and give our thoughts. So stay tuned. All right, guys. So awesome stuff today. Um, we're going to cool down a little bit. You know, like I like to say, taking it from a jog down to a walk. Um, so we're going to walk together a little bit. We have Ricky. We have Eric here. Um, we are so thankful that Charles was with us today. He is amazing. I have so much love for him. Um, but we're going to recap a little bit. So guys, what did you think about the conversation? So I'll start. So I thought his story was absolutely amazing. I've actually, I've heard a little bit of it. You've mentioned it to me before the call, um, but I never really got the full story. And, you know, it's kind of like an everyday battle. And he, and, you know, a big thing about the conversation we had today was that, you know, it's, it's the statistics that we found are male versus female. And, you know, we really wanted to get both sides of it uh, in this interview. And like you said, we, there's only the statistics are there, but just, and we'll have that, you know, in a different topic for a different podcast, but it's like, for males man it's like when you're raised you want they force you to hide your feelings you don't want to share them and when you see it you see it in these statistics that they show a lot more in women because the males aren't showing up with the diagnosis they're not the ones going out there and finding help for themselves they're hiding it it's just and he mentioned it it's something in like it's like a 1950s way of thinking and we're still thinking that way and i don't know if that's ever going to change because it's become such a standard and people's mindsets aren't changing that much and i can feel it in a personal level that as a male like when i try to explain my feelings it's just kind of like you you want to keep it in because it's vulnerability like you mentioned before too it's like you don't want to give that all away you don't want to be up front and center with people and it's like who cares you know like put yourself out there if you want to and if you want to find help put yourself out there as well because it's like the only people that are going to help us is ourselves unless we you know put our trust and faith into other people to help us out absolutely i would like to continue off what you said and just how positive he was after having going going through something so terrible i mean to be able to maintain that level of positivity and keep persevering is truly something special Charles honestly is one of the strongest people I know. He's gone through a lot and um, he has over the years kind of become like this big brother to me. I love spending time with him when I can and just talking to him when I can and life gets busy, you know, and um, through all of the things that he has gone through, he is just um, this pillar of strength. And I really hope that anybody who's listening right now sees that and leaves this podcast today feeling a little bit stronger than when you first, you know, signed on to listen. What were some of the things that you guys found interesting um, from what he said? Was there anything specific that really stood out to you guys? What stood out to me, and I, I was kind of expecting this answer, but it, and it's because it's, it's obvious when you see it. You were talking about the statistics a little bit and how like women are kind of being the ones being shown, you know, that they're more vulnerable than men to have a mental illness or deal with things involving mental health. And it's like, you saw it right away in his energy when he mentioned it, that it would skyrocket if males would come forward or if there was a change where 
if they were diagnosed a lot more. And I definitely agree with that. And I found that very, very interesting. And I, I hope one day we'll be able to see that because right now, and he mentioned this too, it's like some college that does a study with 50 kids, that's not gonna, you know, it, it doesn't really wrap in everybody that's involved in that you know 50 kids from a college that's not everyone in the world that's dealing with it he said people in china it's like it's it's night and day over there as opposed to here so i I found that very very interesting what i found interesting was when he was talking about the um the abuse circle i guess you could say when he was in court and just the fact that um that was the first time he looked at it and realized that he was a victim of something that he wasn't a hundred percent sure he was being victimized for. And that, that level of clarity to me was something that was, that's really going to resonate, especially um, in my everyday life. Just, just realizing that, that that's there, you know what I mean? That you can go, you can research that and figure it out. And it ties back into kind of being raised like that because he didn't recognize it because you're like you it's like a mental thing where it's always pushed aside and you don't really think about it and then I, I'm so glad he came to the realization that that was the case and you, it's all in one google search and it's almost that easy to identify where you're at emotionally it's just you kind of have to take a step back and look at it from the perspective that you're in and he, he noticed that and a lot of people I hope listening to this, we'll, we'll see that as well and find the position that they're in. If they're in a similar situation, I hope this finds you well and you can listen to what he's saying and take something away from that as well. And it doesn't have to be scary. I think a lot of people, when they hear, go to Google and, and do a simple search and, you know, you might be able to match up those symptoms. It's like anything else. Um, it, it comes off as scary and unapproachable, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, I, as well as Reborn, we're huge advocates for therapy. We're huge advocates for talking to other people, uh, support groups, finding, uh, you know, a support group, whether it's online or in person to go to, we're huge advocates for that because it's so important and it does not have to be intimidating. It does not have to be scary. It's something that is there specifically for you to help you. And, um, I would really encourage people to, Keep in mind that it does not have to be scary. You have, um, if you don't have people around you who you can talk to, you have us. We're here. Reborn is here for you. Um, Our organization is here for you. We actually have online support groups. That kind of uh, brings me to what's going on at Reborn, which is uh, one, online support groups. We're going to be launching two of those each week. Uh, we're looking at launching them Tuesdays and Saturdays. So you have two, op- two options uh, if you can't make one or the other. Amazing therapists and life coaches who are working with uh, amazing therapists and life coaches and uh, psychiatrists who we have in our own network that we can refer you to for low to no cost therapy, life coaching, Um, so please feel free to contact us directly. You can go to our Facebook page, uh, which is just reborn to do that. Or you can contact us through email, whether it's to our podcasting email, which is podcasting at reborn.social or info at reborn.social. We also are continuing our coffee table event that ended up being a very popular event. Um, when, uh, before all of this happened with everybody having to stay home and quarantine and the coronavirus, Uh, We were launching these things called the coffee table, which was every other Wednesday. And we were bringing in professionals to do live Q and A's with the community to really hear directly from you guys and be able to answer your questions from professionals directly in live time. Um, Now that we're all virtual, we're actually going to be launching them every week, every Wednesday um, and have different uh, 
different professionals on each week, which is exciting. We also are launching our certifications, their mental health certifications for uh, youth as well as adults, um, as well as parents, teachers. Uh, we're going to be launching those virtually online at a discounted price and also offering a in-person workshop. Obviously, the date is contingent of when we get back, but we'll be offering a uh, workshop to just continue to refresh up on those skills that you learn in the certification as well as get more in-person role-playing practice. Uh, we also launched a magazine this week. Um, we are so excited. We're already working on the May issue. It's going to be great. The May issue is focused on Mental Health Awareness Month, which is May. We have a lot of great articles, interviews, um, graphics, infographics, and information statistics that are in that magazine. If you want to subscribe to that, go to reborn.social. Just scroll down on that first page. You'll be able to, to hit subscribe to the magazine and also see a little preview of what you'll be getting in that magazine. It's something that we are launching virtually right now, but we do have hard copies that we're bringing to everybody um, come at the end of May. So if you're interested in subscribing to a hard copy of the magazine, we'll have that. Trust me, there's a lot more going on, but those are some of the, the big things that we're doing right now during this time. All right. So our next part of this podcast, we have a quote of the week, which we started last week. And I have one there for you, Maggie, and I'll read the next one when you're done. Amazing. So quote of the week. All right. So emotional pain is not something that should be hidden away and never spoken about. There is truth in your pain. There is growth in your pain, but only if it's first brought out into the open. Steve Atchison. I, I, did I pronounce that wrong? No, you're good. It might be Atchison, but it's all good. Atchison. I feel bad. Steve Atchison. I'm, I'm always giving you the quotes that have the hardest last names. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, ah. So the next one, we normally have Teddy Reed, but I'll be doing it this time. Hopefully I can uh, fill her spot. Um, as well as she does, because she did a great job last week as well. She always does a great job. And so here's the quote. Anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. Fred Rogers. And I think that ties in very well with our podcast this week, because it's like if you're able to talk about your feelings and put yourself out there when you're comfortable and ready, it becomes more manageable, and it's, it's a lot less hard to deal with. If you are struggling to talk to someone and you can't bring yourself to open up to others, there's always help available and is only of one phone call away. If you are having any suicidal thoughts and don't have a place to turn, please call the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you know someone who is struggling, don't ignore it, but instead guide them in the right direction and lead them to a path of long happy and healthy life. Also, um, if you are the type of person who likes to text um, and you are the type of person who doesn't really want to hop on a phone call, but you need to talk to somebody ASAP, uh, please contact home. You text home to 741741 and you will be able to talk to a professional right away via text message. Uh, so again, just additionally to the suicide prevention hotline, if you need somebody to talk to and you would like to text instead of talk on the phone, you can text home to 741-741. Be sure to also send your questions to podcasting at reborn.social. If you would like us to answer any questions you have regarding mental health, we will read them on the show. So please make sure that you email us. We want to hear from you. 
Uh, new episodes release every Friday morning to start your weekend right. So start your weekend right with Reborn Social and follow the show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy the show, make sure to leave a rating and review and tell your friends. Maggie, That's real really quickly, important. I just wanted to add, I think a good idea since we brought a lot of good, we brought a lot of good people on the team recently and a lot of new younger um, interns that we have at Reborn now. I think a good idea for them this upcoming week, since we kind of kickstarted the podcasting at reborn.social questions involving mental health, I think it'd be a great idea for them to send in some questions to the show and we won't know what they're going to ask, but they, they put them in and then we could bring them up to you and Teddy next week. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. I mean, we, we just love hearing from people. So if you guys want us to answer questions, you guys want us to talk about a certain subject, you want to tell us a funny joke, do it. Like we want to hear from you. Um, also, Follow us on Twitter at Reborn underscore social and Instagram at Reborn.social or Facebook, which is just Reborn, um, for more content and for updated information on the podcast and our upcoming guests. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.